Good morning. Uh, let's start with prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for another day of life, Lord. Thank you for this chance to be here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, I just ask you, please uh, bless this message. Help um, your will and intention be done, Lord, through these words. Uh, Lord, uh, just ask you, please continue to be with us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. children, which I only see two for some reason, uh, they always like to hear a story. So I have a story, and if you could, it's true, totally true story, and as I tell the story, which I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a good storyteller, but this is a really good story. Um, think about the um, the things that we can learn from the story. Um, and it's, I, I read the book years ago and um, recently I came across a kind of a, I guess it was a, a news article that was mentioning that um, Ernest, Ernest Shackleton's ship had been found in 2022. And I don't know if you know, anything about Ernest, Shack Ernest Shackleton, but he was uh, a famed Arctic explorer. And why you do this, I'm not sure, but he had this desire to go to Antarctica. He had already explored the Arctic, and he's like, I'm gonna go to Antarctica. And it was so interesting because Antarctica had really only been discovered in 1895 which is quite, quite late if we think about the land that we have. And <clears throat> so interesting that in 1895, they knew more about the moon than they did about Antarctica. So there was this, this quest to go there, um, pick a ship and go to Antarctica. So Ernest Shackleton, he had gone down um, before his famed or infamous expedition, if you will. And so this was his second time in Antarctica. And he was leading a, a team, and their goal was to cross, because in, I think it was in uh, 1911, the South Pole was discovered, or, you know, that was the first time anybody had been to the South Pole. And it was Roald Amundsen, who's a Norwegian explorer made it to the South Pole first. So Shackleton's like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, achieve fame and glory or whatever, because he wants to lead a team across the whole continent. He wants to start from one end and walk the whole way across the other, to the other side. So in 1914, he, his uh, ship was called the Endurance and he and the Endurance 
and uh, 28 men got in a ship, went down to Antarctica, and within days of breaching there, they got stuck in the ice. And <clears throat> it was uh, supposed to be summer, but the ice was bad that year or something. So their ship is a wooden ship, gets stuck in the ice, and uh, it, it can't move. So they're, <clears throat> they're stuck in the ice for nine months. Excuse me. <clears throat> so for nine months, the ship is stuck, and everything's pretty, they're fine. They're, you know, they try to get the ship free several times, and they can't get it moved, but they're like, we're okay. You know, we have plenty of provisions, and, and uh, I just think of Ken Lowry. They were fellows in a ship, right, or a fellowship, and I'll never forget Ken Lowry said that, talking about a fellows in a ship. So here are fellows in a ship, and they enter entertain themselves. So Shackleton is a uh, very, um, he's an inspiring man, and an inspiring leader, but also he's pretty strict. And they all had chores to do, and they all, so, it kind of got monotonous. There's nothing to really see because it's just all ice outside. They haven't even made it to the continent yet. They're still in the, uh, I guess it's the Ross ice shelf. So they have chores and they do, you know, entertain themselves sometimes. Like Friday night, they'd have a, oh, thanks so much. They'd have a, uh, some kind of like, you know, talent show or whatever. So then, but after about nine months, the ship starts getting crushed by the ice and the ship starts taking on water. And so at some point the ship is listing and they decide, okay, we're gonna camp on the ice right outside the ship. So they all get off the ship, they set up a camp uh, on the ice, and then they can use the provisions. They go on the ship and get things. This is kind of a really slow motion, uh, a slow motion sinking. It took them, it, so they did this for six months. They're on the ice flow, and the ice is actually moving, and I don't remember the speed. It was, it's not fast, but the ac actually it's, it's drifting. And the ship, so they get off the ship and they all band together and hack and saw and they're like, we can save the ship if we can just get it free. And already almost a year has gone, well, a year has gone by, you know. So now it's summer again. They made it through the winter, summer, uh, which is rel a relative term, right? So, and you think about the conditions. So we're talking about the temperature ranges from about minus 100 degrees to in the summer at the best, on the best day, maybe it would just barely get above freezing. And this is the temperature range. And if you think about the temperature, uh, uh, dry ice, which is frozen carbon, di carbon dioxide, 
freezes at 100 and minus 105 degrees Fahrenheit, okay? So the conditions are really bad and very, very cold all the time. And so the ships start sinking, they all band together, uh, they're sawing and hacking and they're just trying to get the ice uh, to break the ship to get break free and they all band together. They even tried to push the ship with their bare hands physically and this ship is stuck. And eventually the ice crushes the ship, uh, it takes on water and it sinks. And Shackleton's leading this expedition. They're, on the, on the, uh, they're all on the ice and they're looking at the ship and at some point the pressures were so great that the mast broke. It was a three-masted sailing ship and the masts were broken from below and tipped over and that's it. So as soon as the masts broke, Shackleton is like, that's it, you know, um, new plan, right? So they salvage what they can and pretty much what they were able to salvage was they had three lifeboats and 28 men. They had, uh, I think 50, about 50 sled dogs, okay? And they're all in the ice with, you know, maybe provisions and crates. And this is 1914. Well, now, by, by now it's 1915. So, as a ship sinks below the water, okay. So Shackleton assembles the men and says, I'm still the leader of this expedition and our new goal is to get off this ice and to get rescued, okay. This is where the story gets interesting because um, if he had just Let's say he had been successful and crossed the ice, we wouldn't really think much about it. Like, we don't really think much about Arctic or Antarctic explorers these days. But 100 years, 110 some years later, we're, we, I mean, people are still talking about this expedition. Okay, so now the ship sinks. They're like, well, we'll drag the lifeboats to the water. Now, the whole time they've been moving on this ice shelf, okay? And they have three boats. They're 23 feet long and they're 5,000 pounds each. And there are 28 men and the dogs and they're gonna drag these boats to the ocean. Uh, easier said than done. This is a massive expedition. And the ice is not just like a pond, right? It's the ocean, so they just come together and jagged giant chunks of ice and stuff like this. So he bands, he bands together as the leader of the expedition and they're determined, he's got this determination to survive and a determination to lead all his men to safety. So initially they are not doing too badly. They're 
every now and then they'll find a seal or whatever and they'll hunt and they get, were able to stretch their food. But it gets to the point as they're hiking to the, and dragging these boats to the ocean, uh, they get down so low on food that they're only allowed one biscuit and three cubes of sugar a day. And eventually they had to, to shoot the dogs, uh, which was extremely a sad time because they had bonded with the dogs on, on the ship for the nine months they were on there. There were puppies that were born, but for them to survive, they ended up having to shoot the dogs and eat, eat the dogs. So, so far they've been uh, stranded for, for 15 months on the ice in the cold and miserable conditions, not to mention the storms and, uh, and the physical labor every single day of dragging these boats to the ocean. So eventually they get to op the open water, but their struggle to survive is just starting. Not just starting, but it's going to continue for a long time. So they get in the boats and they rowed and sailed for seven days and seven nights to the point where the men nearly froze to death and many were at death's door. It said freezing seas, massive storms, and waves. Sometimes the waves were 50 feet high in these little boats. The temperatures were 20 below zero in the ocean. I mean, uh, the air over the ocean, right? And they got so thirsty that their lips and tongues were so swollen that they couldn't even swallow. And they made it to Elephant Island, which is just barely off the Antarctic. There's kind of a point where it kind of comes up in little dots of islands, and an Elephant Island. And they were so thankful because they were able to set feet on, their feet on solid ground. Now they're not moving, they're at Elephant Island, but it's completely inhabited. And I looked on Google Earth because it's kind of interesting. There is absolutely nothing there except for rocks, snow, there's some glaciers, but there were seals and penguins. So they're able to survive on the seals and penguins. <clears throat> but now they need to still get rescued. So Shackleton, and five of his men take a lifeboat and they're gonna sail 800 miles to South Georgia Island is the next closest place that's inhabited. It's a whaling station back then. And many people over the years have called this the greatest small boat voyage ever undertaken in history. So we're talking about gale force winds battered them the whole entire journey, 50-foot waves, days without seeing stars or sun to navigate, and all they had really was just a compass and a clock. So Frank Worsley was the navigator, and he was only able to take two sightings of the sun or stars uh, during the entire journey, and they're aiming for this little island 800 miles away. The journey took 16 days and it was all dead reckoning, meaning 
They were just watching the compass the whole time. But there's nothing to see out there. And a lot of the times it was dark. <clears throat> Everything on the boat was completely wet all the time. And they had used reindeer uh, skins for a lot of the insulation and their kind of wet suits or whatever. Anyway, all of that fur started to molt and come off. And there was fur, pieces of fur and hair everywhere. And it got ev all through their clothing. They were itching. It was just absolutely miserable. So they get to South Georgia Island, and they end up landing, getting to it on the wrong side of the island. Uh, because of the currents, they weren't able to get to the north side where the whaling station was. So they end up beaching the boat, and they have to hike, not a hike like Vitaboo. This is a hike for 36 hours straight, nonstop, day and night. They hiked across the island. They had to climb up, I think the island's about six or 7,000 feet tall, climb up and then get down the other side to get to the whaling station. So for 36 hours, these men trudged through the snow and ice and glaciers and crevices and made it to the other side of the island. So they get to the whaling station and it, the, the whaling party said, uh, they looked like they were from another world. Nobody could recognize them at all, even though this guy was a famous, famous guy. So after three days at the whaling station, Shackleton leaves to rescue his men. Okay, He's, he left, what did he leave? Um, 22 men, 22 men were left at the on Elephant Island. And you have to realize that those guys had no communication. There was, they had no idea if Shackleton had drowned at sea, the boat sank, and they're wondering why it's taken so long. So Shackleton, three days after recovering a little bit at the whaling station, uh, charters the boat and says, okay, we're gonna go down and go get our men. Well, it took him four attempts and three months to even make it back to Elephant Island because of the conditions and the, and the seas and the ice. Uh, the ocean had frozen over a few times and they weren't able to get through it. Uh, so eventually, after three months, he gets back to Elephant Island. So those guys had no idea that he was even coming. It had taken him so long, and they were thinking, okay, worst case scenario, this will be about six weeks. And already it's been about five months, or four months, we'll say. Okay. Anyway, so they were living on seals and uh, penguins, and they had overturned the boats and made kind of like a cabin but it was miserable conditions because of the, when they burned the oil for the heat, uh, it was so smoky they could hardly even stand being in the 
boat at the same time. So they would go out of the boat to get fresh air and then go back, but then it was too cold and wet and, and dreary outside. They'd go back inside, but it, the smoke would run them out. And this is how there's, but they had left, they had made, uh, nailed down a routine. Everybody had a job and everybody had a routine and they got into this routine. And Shackleton was very uh, strict about that kind of thing. <clears throat> so he, sa he rescues the guys and um, they eventually make it back to civilization and, and then everybody goes their separate ways. But what was in incredibly amazing about the story was the constant perseverance. If you think about what it took to survive for more than two years in the Antarctic conditions with complete misery, lack of food, lack of proper medical attention, um, and what was unbelievable, really, well, they all made it back alive, no one died, but every other Arctic or Antarctic expedition that had happened, except this one, there were fightings, uh, murders, there was mayhem, fights, and sabotage. This party, these 28 men, never fought. I mean, okay, they complained sometimes, but they never fought. There was no violence against each other. There was no um, sabotage. There was no undermining. It was fellows in a ship with uh, the goal, a changed goal, we're going this way. We're going to survive. And Shackleton, his leadership, helped all these people make it through this, this ordeal which I, when I was reading the book years ago, I'm like, I felt cold just reading the book. So, and what was interesting was the group of men, this very diverse group of men, all different nationalities, different ranks and backgrounds, different skill sets, but no matter what, they all stuck together and, and worked together for one task for one goal. And just because they couldn't achieve their primary goal, they changed the goal and survived and made it out alive. So I think about as Christians and the church, when I heard this story again, it was just there's so many things that we can learn from this story. One is, who's our leader? Jesus is the best leader. And if you think about Shackleton, he was their leader no matter what through this ordeal. For us, for Christians and the church, Christ is our leader. Christ is our commander. Christ is the one that's got the vision and the goal. And it's our job to follow. 
It's also our job to not blame or argue with each other. This story is an example of re resilience, camaraderie, empathy, and looking out for each other. Came down to the leadership of the boss, who, which they called Shackleton the boss, and the people. For these men, they had faith in who they called the boss, in Ernest Shackleton. They had faith in his leadership and faith in his decision making. They trusted his motivations and instincts, especially when it seemed like a hopeless situation. He also believed in routine and discipline. But the boss's authority was rarely questioned. Even with the enemy of the cold and the conditions and their situation, Shackleton had a love for his men, and it takes, and it was said that tasks helped his men get through the days. When they finished a task or something they had been told to do, they went to Shackleton and routinely said, "What's next, boss?" So I think about us and Christ as our leader. And I remember one, one of the things that struck me when I first became a Christian, when I first came to the Lord, was I was a lieutenant, I think, in the Air Force. And I came to realize that Jesus was my commander. And I would say, yes, Lord. I'd read something in the Bible, yes, Lord. Salute smartly and let's go. We have a goal. So I think about Christ and the church and us as Christians. Yes, Lord, salute smartly. Let's, we're working toward the goal. We're fellows in a ship. We have a goal, we're working toward that. And there's no place for grumbling and complaining or backbiting or getting on each other's case for whatever reason uh, because we all are working together for the cause of Christ. So I have many verses, but the main theme, um, trust, obedience. I'd like to go through some verses, but I wanted to uh, bring forward some of the main themes that I got out of this. Trust, obedience, uh, brotherhood, the body of Christ, perseverance, and working toward a common goal. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I think about it, the plaque in the men's room, right? Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Have not I commanded thee? This is from Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The Lord was down at the very bottom of the world, too. 
Commit your ways unto the Lord, trust in him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river. And shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. This is Jeremiah. Obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever, whatsoever I command you. And this is the love that you walk after his commandments. Brotherhood. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. These men were willing to do that for each other. These things I command you, that you love one another. Think of the body of Christ. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For as we have been many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are of one body in Christ, and every one members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So these men had different skills, different backgrounds, different nationalities, but they all came together and they used their different skills for the benefit of the mission. But there were some times that the guy was like, hey, I'm a carpenter but he's still hacking ice, trying to get the ship for free, okay? So it was important for everyone to have a different gift to work toward the goal, but at some times we have to chip in and do the unpleasant things. Unbelievable perseverance through those conditions. Romans. But we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Did they have tribulations, those guys? We need to learn to persevere in our faith no matter what obstacles, difficulties, Trials or tribulations come our way. These guys never doubted they were going to be, I mean, they never expressed that they had doubt that they were going to make it. But they trusted in their leader and they trusted in the mission to get out alive, all of them. And Shackleton would not accept anybody uh, falling by the wayside. It was 
the whole team, we're all going to make it. And that was his attitude the whole time. Don't lose sight of where we're headed. Shackleton knew what his goal was. Go north, right? Survival. For us, we're going to heaven. We're going to see the Lord. This is our goal. My brethren, crown it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of our faith worketh patience. In our faith in God, be steadfast, never wavering, working toward a common goal. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. For our conversation is in heaven, for once we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, as fellows in the ship with Christ as the captain, okay, we're on our way. Our job is to band together, to work together, to support each other, to back others up when they need backing up. And sometimes we have to dig in and do the dirty work. But at the same time, we all have special skills and the Lord has placed us together with different skill sets. Uh, don't ever leave live animals with me. They will not make it, okay? But there are others that can take care of those kind of things. Um, so we all have different skills. We all have different interests. But at the same time, and we're all different, we all have relationship with Christ and our job is to move the ship reach the goal follow the captain yes sir and what would like what would you like me to do next Lord what's next boss <laughs>